welcome to The Light Pod, brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. I'm your host, Sam Corbel, and today we have Sebastian Payanet in the podcast studio. Sebastian has a five-year career in lighting design, most recently at Oculus Lighting Studio in Los Angeles, where he's a senior lighting designer. He's a 2016 graduate at the University of Colorado, go Buffs, and he's also been ice skating for 23 years. He's competed in six U.S. championships, of which two were Olympic trials, and he's the 2013 U.S. collegiate medalist. It goes without saying, Sebastian knows what the heck is up when it comes to figure skating. He's basically made it to the Olympics twice. More on that in a little bit. Sebastian, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you. Excited to be here. It's great to have you. It's great to catch up a little bit more and and hear about this incredible journey that lighting, life, and sports have all come together. You're a professional. You're a lighting designer. You're literally a professional athlete in figure skating. You literally almost went to the Olympics. And you also have an incredible story with your family. You're first generation American, born and raised in Colorado. Of Colorado. Uh, but the rest of your family resides over in France. And we can talk about that a little bit more. Before we get into today's conversation of what it means to compete in life, light, and sports, let all three of those things live together and how that drives you. Tell everybody, who's Sebastian and how did you get your start in lighting? My journey into lighting started with my love of architecture. Since I've been the smallest little kid, I've just been reading every magazine about architecture and design and just running around the built environment, admiring everything and drawing. And it's really the earliest memories my parents have of me is just my passion for design. And that led me to the University of Colorado in Boulder, where I majored in architectural engineering with the hope to get this engineering strong technical background for a future career in design. And while there, I stumbled into the lighting program, which is probably one of the more incredible lighting programs in the country. And I just fell in love. It's just incredible the opportunities that you can do with lighting and the different styles and things you can accomplish. And since I've been involved in it, I've loved it ever since. When you're at CU, there's a great course that every freshman takes, right? It's like the intro to architectural engineering. Architectural engineering's buildings. It's all the parts of buildings. You mentioned that you found lighting. Do you remember the moment that like you found lighting or was it like twist my arm, come this way, we have free Cheetos and cocktails? I mean, what was it like? I think I slowly warmed up to it. I originally wanted to get into something more baseline more like construction or something that would help drive my understanding of buildings better. But I eventually I wanted I went to a couple of guest lectures with big names, you know, like Chip Israel and then Charles Stone from FMS and just seeing all the projects that these people were able to be involved in and the quantity of projects that they were able to be involved in really started opening my eyes to the process. And through taking classes in lighting, I realized, you know, just how creative it is while still being so technical and and then on the other end, I realized how different the creativity is in these other more back of house, more of the structure, the bones, and that lighting is really what you see, what you interpret in a space. And that's really what I wanted to be involved in, was really to be in part of this finished product that was so visible and, and could be altered in so many different ways. When you talk about lighting and it being visible and being able to be altered in so many different ways, that's not the only thing that is kind of like that in a building. People are like that, right? Like yeah. <laughs> how they're seen, what their experience is, everything else. When you thought about your passion for architecture, do you feel like there was ever any underlying tones of you always not only observing architecture, but how you interacted with it in itself? Definitely. 
that's a really big part of architecture is seeing how not only you interpret the space, but how your friends interpret the space, how strangers interpret the space, and how almost differently people interpret space from how it's designed, which is so interesting to me that you have to inherently have this built-in flexibility for how people will think and act that you can't predict. It's hard to predict a lot of things, right? But the one thing you can try to predict is where you want to go next what you might want somebody to see or what you want somebody to do in a space. And like it goes without saying, we know can do that. You can intentionally make something brighter or darker. You learned all of that stuff in school. But while you were in school, you were never giving up this other, I don't even know if I should call it a hobby, a passion or, an, or a career as well. But it's, it's figure skating, something that you've been doing since you were five years old. I want to switch gears for a second because before you knew you were going to be a student of architecture and architectural engineering and lighting, you always knew that ice skating was something that was super powerful to you. Talk to me about where your sense of always wanting to compete to put yourself at a high level in that scenario came from. My reasons for competing have really evolved over time, but I've always had this intense desire to get the most out of myself and to push my limits in a way that maybe school education work doesn't. I really like this marrying of the physical and mental that sport gives you, and especially a sport like figure skating, which really ties in all these different things you have to be thinking on your feet. There's all these rules you have to follow that so technical there's so much that you can't see and at the same time it's so mental and physically taxing you know you're you're so tired by the end of a program it's it's like running like an 800 meter sprint but for four minutes and you have to get through all these different elements and just keep working through the program and there's just a way that speaks to you and the amount of work that goes into it that you know the rest of your life doesn't necessarily provide the rest of your life doesn't necessarily provide it is a really interesting point. It's an interesting conversation too. I mean, I think life has so many things and this is part of life, right? But what you found is there's a niche or there's a silo in the competitive edge of being a professional athlete that you can't get in the workplace, that you can't get in an academic institution, that you certainly can try and get when you're hanging out with your friends on a Saturday on the beach playing volleyball or spike ball or flip cup or whatever else it is, right? But it's just not quite the same. There's really like a desire to be great. And there's a very clear end about what is the best, right? I mean, that's an Olympic gold medalist. It's a MVP in other sports, in the NFL, in the NHL, so on and so forth. Talk to me about how you've been able to kind of see that in front of you always and have that desire to learn, to want to win, to become as great as those individuals. It's tough. I love it and it's what drives me, but it's also tough to deal with. I love how in skating, it's just so clear cut. The results are the results. At the end of the day, you either accomplished what you set out to accomplish or you didn't quite make it. And you have to be able to understand that, yes, yeah, someone else was better than me today and I need to work harder to get to where they are. And in the professional world, it's not as obvious around you who's better, who's doing more. You know, who's just selling you wind and not really doing it in real life? And then who's actually incredible, but maybe not selling themselves. You can't see the level of the people around you as clearly as in sport. And I, I love that about sport. You really know where you stand. And in the professional world, you really have to work to understand what the level of the people around you are 
and especially as like as you get older people are able to sell you on themselves more even if there isn't necessarily this experience behind them or this reality of what they're saying behind them. It's almost like you're saying life's a little bit of a mirage, but when you go to a competitive place, the mirage is gone. You're either the best or you're not. You either win or you lose. It's binary, right? There's no progress report. There's no, yeah. <laughs> there's no tiered system of like everybody above the bell curve passes. There's you win or you lose. Now, I would argue that I think there's a lot of people out there who are professionals who don't know they're the best because everybody's still trying to go on their own journey and develop everything else. But at the same time, there are some prominent people. There's some prominent industry uh, figureheads. There's prominent business groups that lead, so to speak, the innovative approach to everything. In construction and specifically in lighting, there are so many challenges. There are so many problems to solve. There are so many things that need to happen. It's hard for it to become linear in terms of this is how you execute on. No two buildings are the same. Every sheet of ice is a sheet of ice, right? Every arena is cooled to the same temperature. Every skate gets as sharp as it gets sharp. So it, it kind of it kind of reels it all in and gives you a formal set of constraints. Whereas in the built environment, the constraints are always somewhat different. But at the same time, like the fundamental nature to execute and practice what you're practicing in it does not change. When you think about being a professional, when you think about having to walk into work and take this very rigid system that drives you to compete and you know what the best is and you are forced to to flip the script on it, you still do it every single day and you're practicing with some of the best people in this industry at a very high level as well. What does it mean to you to be a professional? For me to be a professional, I bring almost the same exact approach that I bring to skating every single day that I bring to work every single day. And that's that I try to bring the absolute best of myself. And that means a lot of different things. It's to be coachable. It's to be ready to learn. It's to be willing to work through mistakes or to work through problems. You know, nev no days are problem free and no days are without their hassles. And it's just coming in with this just open mind, ready to give as much as you can give and help as much as you can help. And just be ready to work hard and be ready to just give it your all and, and have the people around you know that you're going to consistently give it your all and, and you're reliable in that way. Being able to give that to everyone is, is a gift, right? Being able to ask them to join you is always a little bit more tough. Just because you want to do it doesn't mean everybody else wants to do it. Fun fact, in case people don't know, figure skating is not an individual sport. There's a whole team around every athlete that competes. Talk to me a little bit about your team that's always helped you compete and, and how you learn with them and from them and bring that into your professional career as well. I've been lucky to be a part of a couple different teams. That's a big part of skating is understanding what you need in that moment and you know what you grow up with may be different than what you need when you reach a certain level, which might be different than what you need later on. My current team's amazing. They're really respectful of my professional life. They also really demand extremely high standards of me when I'm on the ice. And there's not really an excuse, any excuses when I'm there. They know that I'm there by choice. And because of that, they know I'm there to choose to work hard. And they're there to remind me when it gets a little slower. And they're there to push me when we can get pushed. And it's everything. You know, skating is, like you said, you know, it's big team sport you have coaches you have trainers you have the people who deal with your skates you have you know your support system that allows you to go to the ice and dedicate all this time to a craft there's a lot that goes into it and when you go to work every day there's the exact same thing exactly your coach is your boss <laughs> right you've got uh, people sharpening your skates they're helping you draft stuff 
You've got people who are making sure that you're physically fit. They're your mentors. You've got all these things in these two kind of spheres, right? It's life, it's light, and it's sports is what I call it. When you think about all three of those, how does one of them encourage the other for you on a daily basis to the extent that you are able to bring yourself 100% to all of them and show up ready to compete in all of them, but also not become completely overwhelmed? Yeah, you, know, you definitely have to build up this ability. I thought it was really interesting. I used to train with Raphael, who's the coach of you know now Olympic champion Nathan Chen, and then a whole host of other Olympians. And he always told me, you can't expect this to come in a year. He's like, some work ethics take decades to build. And what you might see someone else do would overwhelm you completely. And it's you have to start at, at step one and build into this training philosophy. I would watch Nathan Chen train and I, what he gets done in an hour, I could not possibly wrap my head around. My body would collapse, you know, and that's because it, it's 10 years in the making. And that's how I view balancing work, skating, a personal life, you know, personal projects outside of that. It's been a long time coming. It started with balancing it in high school. It started balancing it in college. It started balancing other things alongside my life in college and skating and then working to the professional world it was the next step up and difficult at first but you start to find that flow what what you need to give back what you need to take to make it work and it's this it's a really long cycle but once you can find that groove it's just an incredible incredible feeling an incredible feeling sounds like something everybody wants to have every day I want to feel incredible. I want to feel like I'm in a groove. I'm sure whoever's listening to this at this very moment is going, yeah, I'm in a groove. I'm on the treadmill or I'm walking my dog or I got to get off my ass and I got to go for a walk and get in a groove or whatever it is, right? There's all this balance that goes into it. When you look at the balance that you've created, how do you think one directly influences the other when it comes to saying not only this is who I am and this is how I operate, but this is where I get my creativity from. I mean, you, by definition, are one of the most creative people in the world figuring out how to balance all this, let alone be coached and choreograph things. And there's not a robot controlling you and telling you, you know, how to swoop your legs or how to spin or where your arms need to be or where your eye contact is on the ice. And all that applies, obviously, to walking through design practice as well. They definitely really feed each other in so many different ways. And so a lot of the ways are unique. I think to be at your best designing, you need to have a relatively clear mind. You need to be able to focus absolutely on what you're trying to work on. And skating hones that like nothing else. If you're not focused, you get hurt. If you're not focused, you don't improve. And if you can't cut out what the rest of your life is doing, then you're not going to be present on the ice. And that's really felt. And that's how I feel about work too. If you can look at a project and not be thinking about the 10 other projects and 10 other deadlines you have that you should be working on, and you can just give it the time that it needs to work through the design, understand what the client wants, understand where the design is going and understand where you can fit in, what you can help and what you can bring to the table and have that with a clear mind. It's incredible. And that's what skating helps hone daily for my professional life. And on the other end of that too, they're both a break from each other. Like when I'm at work, it's a break from the problems at skating, like what you're working through. And then when I'm at skating, it's a total break from work. You know, I'm, I can't work on my deadline when I'm on the ice. And I appreciate that so much. And then, you know, back into my, my life outside of that, it's a break from both where I can come down and reset and get mentally ready for the next day. I interviewed a guy who you may have heard of. His name is Howard Branston. Howard was... Uh 
86 when I talked to him. I think he has close to 50 years on Neo. But, you know, he was an enthusiast in fishing and hunting and in lighting design. And he said the same thing. You choose to be the best at what you want to be and you just strive for it. You focus through it and you let one give you a break from the other because if all you try to do is just one thing, it can become seemingly impossible. You're chasing maybe perfection that doesn't exist or you're constantly trying to do something that maybe you actually just won't ever be able to do, which can be a tough thing. You said earlier, if you don't focus, you can get hurt. I wanna dive into that a little bit more after we take a quick break. We'll come back, we'll chat a little bit more about your recent journey where you did get injured and you've battled back and how that applies to not only your career as a designer and the changes you've made there, but also your incredibly wild ride to the most recent U.S. Olympic trials where you were standing side by side with the now gold medalist, Nathan. Sound good? Sounds great. Hey, it's Sam. Real quick, The Light Pod is brought to you by LIDAC, a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. They bring you things like this podcast and short, fun, quick, informative videos that celebrate light, that talk about light, that help you learn a little bit more about light. Check them out at lytei.com. And welcome back over the break, Sebastian and I, well, let's just say we are laughing. Life is too short to put all your eggs in one basket. Sebastian, you have this killer career as a figure skater. You have this awesome, just newly minted career as a professional lighting designer. You've been a student of life. You've been a student at university. And there's so many things that people are like, damn, dude, you get to do it all. Like you don't just focus on one. You're still like that good at all of this. You were telling me a little bit about how somebody landed a quad lutz for the first time in their life, which is insane. Really, really hard to do. They were the first. They were the first. They, they were the first to land it. After a competition where neither of us had skated that well, he said, at least, you know, when you go back into your real world, you know, you go back to school and you, or you go back to something else that's like engaging you versus, you know, him, his season's done and that's it. You know, his whole year's ended on this note. Right before the break, you mentioned a little bit about how if you don't focus, it can cause problems. It can cause failure or even injury. Recently, uh, you had a pretty catastrophic injury that forced you to retool how you think about what you do and what you were going to do. And I'm happy to share the little bit of the teaser, but like you built yourself all the way back up to the point that you were one of 14 people competing for one of the three Olympic spots this year. Walk us through that journey of what happened, how you took it, and then how you persevered through all of it. Yeah, it was pretty tough during the COVID pandemic when everything was really, really, really shut down. You know, the rinks closed and I had to find a different way to stay in shape for the two months, three months that we had to be off the ice. And then coming back onto the ice, I came back a little too quick, wanting to catch up on all this time that I felt like I'd missed out on. And uh, I ended up straining my adductor right below and it's kind of in my groin area of the of my legs and then I also had like a hip impingement so basically it was really hard to turn my leg in and out and at the same time I would just have like a shooting pain that would go from my toe all the way through my abdomen it was really tough you're trying to train through that obviously you're trying to make it work but it just doesn't go away I ended up doing 18 weeks of PT twice a week and then doing all the exercises like like seven days a week just trying to get to work and then when you're on the ice every day you're wanting to do more than you're able to and 
and you just have to slow down and you have to accept that you can't do certain things and you have to go so slow. And while this is happening, everyone around you is working so hard and progressing and you're here back on square one, almost regressing because you feel like this injury isn't getting better. It ended up being almost a full year of pain where I could start jumping again but I'd have to take it easy and I have to lay off. I'd do two days hard and then I have to take three days where you have to lay off. And it was just so hard. And it wasn't really even until October of this year that I, I would do a jump and I could just be pain free almost. And I still have to manage it a little bit, but I could finally trust myself to do something without feeling this pain. And it, it's really hard because pain is a trauma in your body and you know, mentally you don't want to feel pain. So you, you start kind of fighting, doing the things that are painful and you have to work mentally to let yourself relax, let yourself do it and not tighten up and be fearful of what could happen when you land. And it's just been so much work to get to this point. And then your nationals came pretty quickly. I was lucky to have a really good season going into nationals. They only let nine people in through qualifying this year. It was super competitive. And I was able to qualify sixth into the US championships, but it was tough, you know, it was, it was really all about managing the pain and really understanding when you could work and when you could not work. And it just takes a lot out of you. It takes a lot out of you to slow down and to constantly be out of a rhythm. You mentioned that slowing down was so painful because you're in an arena, you're around your peers, they're progressing. I mean, you're all on the same team, but let's face it, you're competing for that one individual spot. What was it like to be a part of a team? To say, I'm just not going to be as good as they are right now, but I know I'm going to be able to get back there. You have to remind yourself why you do it. You know, and a big reason why I skate isn't for the results. It isn't to go out and be incredible. It's to get the most out of myself in that day. And you know, some days that the most out of myself might be, might be a lot less than what it was yesterday. And you have to just be really strict with yourself about focusing on what can you do now and ignoring what the people around you are doing because it doesn't affect you. You have to focus on yourself. And what you can do today is what you can do today. And that's what's most important. And you have to just kind of put the blindfolds on, not look in the future and just do the best you can in the moment and trust that the powers at play will align. Now, at this point, I'm sure everybody's sitting here going, how the heck is this guy competing for a, an Olympic gold medal spot and working in the design field, a full-time job? Design is, is time consuming enough, let, let alone doing this. So I'm just gonna clarify for everybody. Uh, Sebastian, what time do you get up in the morning to make sure that you're on the ice? When I do an early morning skate, I'm up at 5, and then usually on the ice at 6.30, and then I'll skate till 8, and then drive to work. And then some days where I work at home, I get to take a two-hour lunch and skate during that. So then I just start work a little earlier. I end work usually a little late. <laughs> You're not picking one day or the other. You're doing everything on the same day always. And like when you come off the ice and, and you have a moment like you explained during your recovery process of I just got to be methodical and work through this. I got to do all my exercises and I can't crush it like I want to today. Did you like go to work and be like, I'm going to crush work today and I'm going to like get my revenge on that? Or, or did you allow that to just give you an opportunity to take that mentality all the way through your entire day? I actually think it it helped me. I think having the ability to slow down was really beneficial to my work because it made me really disciplined. Because there's days where you go to work and you're like, I have so much I need to get done. I just want to, you know, put my headphones on, get focused and start cranking away. And then you have, you know, four hours of conference calls where you can't get anything done. And then people are constantly asking for help. And you, the day, end of the day has come and you've never really had this time to focus and, and crank out what you 
also needed to do. And I think being able to just acknowledge that and being able to be patient with it and just being okay with it and be like, okay, it'll happen when it happens, but I just need to be focused right now on what I'm doing right now. That actually really paid some dividends to me. And I don't think that would have been as natural if I didn't have to work through it every day. You're a young guy. You haven't been in this industry for 30 years or had the experience of putting your nose to the grindstone, a whole bunch of other stuff like other people in this industry are. Yet you have all this wisdom from just your ability to apply one thing to the other. When you look at the last year, when you look at your comeback, what was it like at work? I mean, was there a time that anyone ever said anything to you and they're like, hey, teach me or like, how'd you figure that out or whatever? Were it made you feel really proud of the fact that you're doing all of this. A lot of times when I skate, I always felt like skating was totally separate from work. Like they didn't really coexist. I don't talk about skating a lot when I'm at work. And then at skating, I rarely talk about work. Also to the point that a lot of people actually at skating didn't actually know I worked, which I realized this year when it came up a couple of <laughs> times, I was pretty, pretty shocked. Um, <laughs> But um, wait, you have a full time job, Sebastian? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> like, so you work 40 hours? I'm like, I usually work more than that, but yeah. <laughs> but I was actually on a conference call for this, this beautiful hotel going up in Saudi Arabia, and the head of this whole hospitality group was like, Sebastian, I, I was looking up, are you also a figure skater? And this is like a hundred client call. And I'm like, just here to listen. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. He's like, oh, wow, that's that's so cool. It was kind of an altering moment for me. I was like, oh, wow. Like some other people actually like care about this or looked into this. And that was pretty unique to me. What's it been like? I mean, people now know you're a figure skater and a full-time design professional and vice versa. The worlds have collided in, in your life from the standpoint of one feeds the other, you do it all every day. You're doing it because it's what you want to do. It's the it's what you feel self-fulfills yourself. But all of a sudden, all these people are complimenting you, applauding you, cheering you on. I mean, you and I are sitting here having a conversation. I got news for you, dude. Now even more people know you do both. And it's awesome. How's that been for you? And talk to me a little bit about how that, has actually kind of all culminated here in the last couple months as you went to compete for nationals and literally a spot on the Olympic team, which by the way, you didn't buy your way into. You didn't get lucky. You worked your ass off to get there. It feels good on two different levels. There's obviously the personal level where it feels good to be recognized for something you put so much time into. But on the other level, I find that it, it has been inspiring to people close to me that you know when they make the decision about is it this or that now i think sometimes a little part of them also thinks why not both why can't i also do this why can i also follow this passion and continue this other thing i love you don't have to sacrifice everything just for one thing you can do more than one thing i usually get really inspired by people who have families who raise kids and work that's insane to me i can't even begin to grasp how you do that <laughs> you know and so that for me, it's like skating and work, you know, it doesn't have to be a choice. You know, you can do what you want to do. And I even add on more things. You know, I have other things in my personal life. You know, I, have a, I spend a lot of time with my friends. I spend a lot of time with my girlfriend and I, I like to bike. There's all these other things that I do in my time. And I find that it's been really inspiring to me to hear about other people who are trying to do more than one thing in a small part because of my journey and them seeing how I've been able to balance it. When you look at all those things, it's a beautiful life, right? You're taking full advantage of everything that is out there that gives you the opportunity to do it. Now, some people aren't necessarily as 
fortunate to be able to do everything that they want to do. Like they do just have to go to work and they do just have to go home and take care of their kids or they don't have the luxury of competing and working professionally. They do have to choose one or the other for any other reason. You're kind of living this, um, I don't know, you're living this life that I feel like I've never met anyone else like it before. I've never known a professional athlete that's also been so diligent in their ability to work and execute and then show up for their friends, their family, their loved ones, their significant others, and all all this other stuff. You went to Nashville and you competed for that spot. It didn't go the way you wanted it to go, but you seem like the happiest guy I've ever met today. And that could have crushed you. You have this whole community and I've got to imagine that has something to do with why you feel the way you feel today. Tell us a little bit about what that experience was like and what you learned from that. It was definitely tough. You know, I was going into national skating super well, obviously. Uh, really excited to be able to compete and get back on this stage. And we got to have a big live audience with it being a little bit later in the COVID cycle. and. That was just so exciting for me. And I was actually training pretty well there. And, you know, first, the short program in skating, you have two programs, kind of this the first half of the competition, second half. And the short program, it just didn't go well. I've learned to compete really relaxed. And uh, sometimes when you compete relaxed, and it's just, it was bad, I missed two jumps and really set me back in, in my goals. And it was super disappointing in the moment. But I was also happy because, you know, the next program, I really had to challenge myself to be able to overcome what had happened in the previous program, overcome the doubt that creeps up from not doing well and continue with the same mindset that you had before and not make these crazy corrections and just continue with the same approach and just trust that it's going to happen. And, and it worked, you know, there's there's nothing like trying to problem solve when you have like 8,000 people watching and you're on live TV and and you have all these friends and people you want to do really well for and, and you're here in the moment and you're just having to overcome yourself very publicly. It was a tough process. It was a really tough journey. And obviously I was pretty disappointed coming back from it all. But, you know, like my friend Brandon said, you know, you come back and when you get to come back from something and skating isn't your whole life, you know, I came back and I was behind on work and I had to catch up and you kind of realize like, look, my, my life's bigger than, you know, two missed jumps in the short program. You know, I work on a lot more things than that. And my skating's a lot bigger than that. And yeah, it was, it's tough. It's tough. And, you know, I'm still a little disappointed when I think back on it, but at the end of the day, it doesn't change my life. You know, I still have to go to work. I still like to skate. You still have to go to work and you still like to skate. Life's, life's just a little bit bigger than two missed jumps. One of the people that was on the ice that day, he won a gold medal at the Olympics. What's it like to be in a sphere of people like that and know that while you're competing against them, you also have their support and their encouragement to be the best at everything you do? It's pretty incredible to get to share to the ice with people like that. I like to think of skating as like another career for me and one that I've been at for 23 years, 25 years. I can't even wrap my head around it. And to get to be at the pinnacle of it, you get to see other people who are experiencing incredible success. And it really makes you understand better what success is and how it's it's really just an illusion. You know, I, I got to train with Nathan for two years here in LA and to see him like chasing down these dreams and, and working hard and all the success that he had that everyone around him would dream of having for him was just part of his own journey. It didn't feel like luck. It was just so worked for. And to see people accomplish these incredible things and to understand the work that goes into it really gives me this perspective of my professional life. When I see what all these other people have accomplished, these businesses they've run for the amount of time they've been able to run them, 
you understand that there's so much more work behind it than just, you know, a speech at Light Fair or getting to accept an award. It's this constant grind and this constant passion and this constant work for it. And you have to be ready for that. And you have to accept that if that's where you want to go, you're going to have to do that plus 10%. Plus 10%, plus 10%, plus 10%. I mean, the 10% never stops. Yeah. The hard work that literally no one else ever sees never stops. Nathan Chen won his gold medal at the Olympics. You got to train with him. He's shown you how to be the best in one career, which is figure skating. That very linear set of rules that says, if you're not the best, become the best by doing this. There's a ton of direct feedback that comes in that competitive sport nature. In the workplace, that may or may not be the case. Talk to me a little bit about how the feedback loop in one career has allowed you to either create a preferred feedback style for you in the professional world or something that you wish maybe was a little bit more apparent. Yeah, in skating, it's, it's pretty interesting. You look at someone like Nathan who was you know, going to the Olympics, three-time world champion. Everyone in skating goes into every single day ready to learn and to grow and to improve. No one goes into the day being like, all right, let's just stay at the same level. And the only way to do that is to get feedback you know, is to work on things that aren't good and is to receive criticism. You know, I, I receive criticism, constructive criticism every single day. And I've been at it for 20 plus years, you know, and that'd be like looking at a design professional 20 plus years and every single day telling them, you know, this doesn't look good. This needs to be better. That needs to go there. You're just not executing this. We need to change this completely, you know, and, and that just doesn't really exist at least in my experience, in the professional world where things are a lot more hidden, a lot more under the radar and really subtle in their approach. And I've had to create almost that feedback loop with myself in work. Um, I've been lucky to have mentors and, and other professionals who you know guide you in the process, but I also have taken it into my own hands where I kind of critique my own work constantly. And then I also go and explore other people's projects and other things and just look with this really open mind like, what are things that people did in this project that I wouldn't have done that worked so well? What are things that someone did in this project that I would have maybe done differently? And how would I have done that differently? Then I do that in my own projects. I go into it and I look like, oh, what worked? What didn't work? You know, and how can I carry this forward? Where in the process did I need to work harder or coordinate more to get it done? Because at the end of the day, in work, it's just the way it is. You, don't, you can't have someone looking over your shoulder constantly coaching you to get it done. And a lot of it has to come from within. So I'm constantly looking for areas where I can improve and, and learn more and look at the people around me and see, are they doing it better? And really do it with this open mind that I want to learn. I'm here to get better instead of I'm here to prove myself that I'm better than the other people. And therefore, I need to show that my way is right. I'm constantly ready to learn how to do something better. And that comes from skating where, you know, you might be able to land a jump nine times out of 10, but you want to do it 10 times out of 10. So maybe you have to scratch the whole thing and start over which you don't want to do, but you have to do to get to where you want to go. And that's tough. It's a really tough process, but it really teaches you the value of improving and taking criticism and finding opportunities to grow. Do you think Nathan looks at his gold medal and says, okay, now I'm the best and I've set the standard? Or is he right back there with you now saying, how can I get better? How do I improve? I, I can't put words in his mouth, but <laughs> I think it's tough. I think the Olympic gold medal was definitely a, that was kind of the end of the road goal for him. But I definitely think after the world championships, he was definitely looking at where can we get better? Where yeah. can we add content? Where can we do? 
where can we make it better? And you see at the Olympics, you, this short program, that's the hardest program anyone's ever tried in the world, ever. It was incredible. And he nailed it. And he nailed it. To that point, okay, he's pretty freaking good. But he'll always look for ways to get better as yeah. well, right? He's always going to challenge him himself. And when we look at our sphere of the professional world of, we'll just call it design, there might be a, a newfound opportunity here to, to have a bit more of an open mind to say, like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to get there? Where's the direct feedback? When you look at your young career of basically five and a half years in the architectural lighting industry, as opposed to your 23 years of skating, do you feel like there's an opportunity in the workplace based on your experience and what you apply to yourself that you could share that with others, that there could be a, a shift in the mentality of how everything works and your career of skating and the linearity of feedback and an ability to achieve success can be driven into your professional career in a stronger sense. I think one of the hardest parts about managing is that you have to understand what different people need to accomplish what they need to accomplish or what they want to accomplish. And people go into work with very different goals from each other too. I think some people don't necessarily want to be the best or they just want to kind of be there and be there in the moment and do their work. But I think it really takes recognizing what different people's goals are and being able to apply that. I do think that maybe there's a culture now, especially I think with the younger generations where I think feedback's even tougher. It's not received well. You know, it's definitely becoming a lot more sandwiched between compliments and it's become really subtle and these subtle hints at how to progress. And I do think that's sometimes been tough for me coming from this kind of skating background to now I have to really read into every comment like, this very slightly negative thing. Is this something I'm should be, I'm trying to get better at? Is this, you know, is this person in a bad mood? Like, <laughs> so I, I do think for me, like, I would really appreciate, you know, I really appreciate it when people are honest and, and the architects even are like honest with the design. Like, you know, this just won't work. We, we need to go this direction. You know, that's how you get better instead of kind of tiptoeing around these subjects and you end up with no one has clarity on the way forward. It's the expectation of maybe what sport are you playing and getting a gold medal in whatever sport you're playing. Right. It's like some people want to be contributors. Some people want to be the best. Some people want to just make sure that their part of it gets done, but they all want to get that gold medal and whatever it is they're doing. Sebastian, this has been one hell of a conversation. I would be standing here jumping, turning and spinning if I could, but I'm extremely comfortable in this podcast studio. Thanks so much for joining me here. If anybody wants to maybe just learn a little bit more about what it's like to be a professional athlete or um, how to do a, a triple axel. What's the best way they can get in touch with you? Uh, just Instagram is probably the easiest way to stay in touch or LinkedIn if you want to maybe the little more professional avenue. So I don't post very much skating stuff on there. <laughs> but uh, What's your Instagram? It's at uh, Sebastian Pioneer. And then remember the Sebastian spelled, you know, the French spelling. So that it takes an E. Don't forget to there. spell it. Spell it for everybody. S-E-B-A-S-T-I-E-N. Sebastian Bayonet. There you go. Is that how you would say it in French? It's close enough. <laughs> give, give, it, give it to us in the, in the real French form. Sebastian Bayonet. Okay, now you have to say thank you to everybody for listening. I'll talk to you soon in French, and then we'll end this podcast. Merci à tout le monde pour avoir écouté. J'apprécie vraiment votre temps et continuez à écouter ce podcast. Merci à Sebastian. Au revoir. Au revoir.
Thanks again for listening to this episode of The Light Pod. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and click that like, follow, or subscribe button. That's the best way to never miss another episode where we talk to people about all things lighting who have inspirational and thought-provoking conversations to share. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.